Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Kuehl Podcast. I am your host for this evening's show, the insider of the insiders, Tyler Kuehl, thanking you once again for tuning in to another episode of TKP, another special episode. But before we get into it, please use the hashtag the Kuehl Podcast to talk about this episode and tweet us at the Kuehl Podcast on what you think of our Frozen Four preview. Yes, folks, it's that time of year. Regionals have wrapped up. Teams are heading to Buffalo for this weekend's action to determine who is the NCAA Division I men's national champion. Let's give you the rundown on the quick teams here before we bring in our guest to talk about what has gone on in the past week or so. Number 11, Providence Friars are in the Frozen Four. They came out of the East Regional after wins over Minnesota State and Cornell. Number 6, Denver also will be joining the fray. They'll actually be playing UMass in the first round. We'll get to them in just a second. They came out of the West Regional out of North Dakota after wins over Ohio State and American International College. Number four, UMass, like we said, making their first ever Frozen Four appearance. They make it this far after victories over Harvard and Notre Dame in dramatic fashion with an overtime win. And, of course, the defending national champion, number two, Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs. They were in the Midwest Regional. And after wins over Bowling Green and Quinnipiac, have reached another Frozen Four. And now we bring in our guest at this time, making his second appearance here on the Kuehl Podcast, the voice of the Ferris State Bulldogs hockey team, Harrison Watt. Harrison, how are you doing today, sir? I am lovely. I'm a nice drive back up to uh, Big Rapids right now. Pretty Been a while since I've talked some hockey, so I'm excited. Pretty lonely drive uh, going up 131 there. You know what? I like it. It cools me down. I actually, in my offseason, I coach high school water polo down in the Grand Rapids area. Um, and this is kind of my time to just chill out after hockey season and decompress a little bit. Well, there you go. Well, hey, Davenport's getting a water polo team, so uh, we may have to I, we may have to talk. Head coach, we're pretty good friends, actually. Oh, um, I forget his name all the time, but um, Derek Derek Zoko, he's a yes, brilliant guy. Uh, yeah, he's uh, brought in a lot of players, so we're gonna have a team next year. So I have to get learn how to. I'm gonna have to talk to you, and of course, my fiance used to play water polo, so I'm gonna have to get all that knowledge in my head because someone's oh, gonna have to fun. broadcast it. But oh, it's a lot of fun, man. But let's get to, before we get into the Frozen Four preview and all the Hobie Baker and all the good mumbo-jumbo, let's talk about the Bulldogs here. Obviously a, a tough season. We talked about midway through the year about Ferris, and we did agree that, yes, it was a disappointing year, but there was some bad luck. Had a lot of really good talent, of course, Corey Mackin, Cooper Zeck, uh, Craig Pefley, but those guys are all out the door with Cooper going to Providence, Craig Pefley's going to graduate early. So who are a few of the names that the Bulldogs have to look forward to that are going to be returning next season? Yeah, I think uh, it's going to be tough to lose Cooper Zek. That's that's a blow. Uh, but to the same token, I think everybody kind of expected him to go. I mean, he was just that good. I maintain he might have been the best player I've ever seen in a Bulldog uniform. And I've been around since the 12-13 season. And I've seen some good ones. I've seen a lot of 100-point scores. Uh, Cooper, as a defenseman, was already ahead of pace to score 100 points if he ended up staying all four years. But I don't know if that was ever really in the plans. I'm honestly, frankly, not sure why he didn't get drafted. Uh, but he was phenomenal. He was a lot of fun to watch, and I wish the best in Providence. Uh, I think I think he made the right choice for him. Uh, for us next season, uh, we've got a couple guys back I'm really excited about. Cole Norris is the one. He went through a little bit of a sophomore slump this year, but and the season wound to a close. He went from being just the prolific goal scorer he was as a freshman to being a guy that saw 
all 200 feet of ice really well. Uh, set a new career high in assists, set a new career high in points. Uh, really finished the year out strong. Kind of went through some bumps and bruises that didn't help him. Lost on a, a line mate that he had been with most of his career so far uh, early in the season, so that didn't help him either. Uh, but he works really hard. He's got a full, healthy offseason, which he didn't have last year. So I expect a lot out of him. Nate Callen uh, was our second leading scorer and defenseman. Nate was Nate was phenomenal this season. Honestly, our best two-way defenseman. Uh, really became a good lockdown defenseman in his own end. Right shot, power play guy. Took another big step forward after taking a big step forward as a sophomore. He's a guy that will either wear a C or an A. My money would be on the C. Uh, he's, he's an exceptional young man. Really excited to see him. And then early in the year when we talked, we were having some goaltending issues. Uh, we, had, we had a really young kid, Roni Salman Tangus from Finland, like fresh out of high school. He struggled the first half of the year. We got him some rest right after you and I talked. And then he started the last six games of the season. And the rest did him wonders. You can see him growing before our eyes. He had a 940 save percentage the last six games. Against some pretty good teams. And he got a win against a nationally ranked opponent on the road uh, to close out his season. So I was really impressed. The mistakes he made early in the season, he didn't make late. Uh, so I think the building blocks are there for us to climb back uh, into the conversation at the conference. I mean, you, I mean, like I said, Selman Kagas, do you think, and obviously Bob Daniels has got to fill up some holes. What, and you're closer to him than I am, uh, obviously. Is there any uh, any word from Bob, or is he taking a break? What's his? What is he looking to try to bring to the to the Bulldogs for next season in terms of recruiting? Oh, Bobby D takes no breaks. Take no mistake on that. Uh, he's after it recruiting. I think we're doing a pretty good job right now. Uh, we have one of the North American League's best scorers in Jason Brancho. Uh, we're going to need a little bit of offense. We lost some guys. We talked about Zach and Mack and Pefley, all guys that were offensive-oriented. Uh, employee producers. I think Jason Brancho could help in that regard. Uh, he's a 99 birth year, and I think he's got 64 points in 63 games this year, something like that. He's pretty close to that. He's been really good for the Amarillo Bulls this season. Uh, Dallas Tulick, uh, who bounced between the USHL and the North American League, had some injury problems, but put together a pretty nice season. I think he's a really strong centerman. That's an area where we're going to need some help. Uh, we've got three defensemen coming in. Blake Abenow is a guy that's seen a lot of time in the USHL. Uh, finished out this year in the North American League, but I, he's really been solid. Offensive type defenseman, smaller guy. And then uh, Connor Fedoric and Max Finner, another pair of defensemen that are, uh, I think, going to be pretty solid for us as well. And then uh, we, we lost a goaltender, Justin Kappelmaster, who's transferring. Uh, he was our older goaltender, so we signed a kid, Carter McPhail, who's having a pretty, actually a really solid year in junior hockey right now. So a lot of holes to fill, a lot of guys departed. Uh, but I think to a certain degree, it'll help us hit the reset button in a different way. We're going to carve out a different identity for ourselves without Corey Mackin, who was a 100-point scorer in his college career. So that'll be a little bit tough. But I think these guys are ready to kind of step out of his shadow and start to show that uh, it's time for a new era of Bulldog hockey. Do you think, looking at it right now, obviously we're still not even finished with this college season, but looking towards next season, do you think bringing in a lot of talent, a lot of freshmen, obviously, do you think that's gonna, it's going to maybe take an adjustment period for them to mature, or do you think that this team has an opportunity to really climb up the stand? I mean, obviously towards the bottom, but obviously 
really challenge for the top spot in the WCHA? There are going to be some growing pains. Um, but I, I do feel confident that we could be a top five team. I, I think we could have been this year, too. Uh, nothing seemed to go right this season. But, I, you know, for some reason, I just don't see that happening again. Bob is he's really on a good recruiting track. A couple of these guys are going to be fast developers. And then goaltending-wise, we had so many issues there last year. I don't think we're going to have all those issues this year. And, you know, goaltending goaltending can win you and lose you games. I think when we had bad goaltending nights, we also played poorly in front of our goaltending. Um, so it kind of exacerbated the problem. But I, I just don't see that happening as often next year. I We were in a lot of games. I mean, look at some of the teams we took to overtime. We took Minnesota State to overtime. Uh, we beat Bowling Green in their building. They were a tournament team. We took Bowling Green to overtime at home and played them. Actually, we took Bowling Green to overtime twice at home. Um, so we were in a lot of games against a lot of really good teams, and we just finished a goal shy a lot. We lost every overtime contest we had. I think we went to overtime. Uh, well, no, we had a few ties in there, but we didn't win an overtime game. I think we finished something like 0-6-4 in overtime. So... You turn a few of those around into wins, and we're talking about a team that was in the WCHA tournament. So it's a goal here, a goal there. That's all. That's all we got to find now, and I think we can. That's why I hear a lot from Detroit Red Wings fans. A goal here and a goal there would be a playoff team. I mean, well, then again, <laughs> then again, they've had the most one goal games. So I mean, there is substance, but obviously, a couple defensemen might help them. Oh yeah. Well, okay. What do you think about Blashill getting extended? You know what? He's a Ferris guy, and I support him fully. My reason that I'm behind him is because he's never had a competent defensive core. Like, I mean, just look at who he's had back there. A lot of old guys. Not to say that Nick Cronwell isn't competent. He is. He just doesn't have any legs left. Jonathan Erickson is an awful NHL defense. I said it. I'm on the record there. Uh, well, I've, been saying that for, I've been saying that since he was in Grand Rapids. Trust me. He's, oh. he's never impressed. No. Danny DeKaiser... Would be good in different situations, but he's pressed into being a top pairing defenseman. I don't think that's his role. Um, but, I mean, look at the LA Kings a few years back when they had a solid defensive core and one really solid top line and some good rookies peppered in. They wouldn't want to stay in the cup. They had Jonathan Quick, who is lighting the world on fire. But all you need is an elite defensive pairing and a couple other guys that can eat you 20 minutes without, without killing you. And the Red Wings, in his time, have had nothing close to that. I firmly believe that Jeff Blash was a winner. And if he gets any of those things, I think we'll be in the playoffs. I really look at what Dylan Larkin did this year. I know he's a self-driven guy. By himself. But the player development. I mean, the player development in the forward position has been great. I mean, yeah. I mean, you got so yeah, you still have Zadina in the system. I mean, he's back down with Grand Rapids, obviously. But, the, yeah, we always say the offensive talents there just defensively. And I don't want to point the finger at Howard, but goaltending-wise hasn't really been consistent either since, I mean, what, since Babcock's days. So, you're right. I mean, the wings are close. There's no question about it. Just got to flip some of those back six guys. And, you know, I don't mind Jimmy Howard. I was I was very much on the train that we should have traded him when Bradzik came up and got really hot. And I think that would have been better for his confidence that we might be in a different situation right now if it were for that. But uh, it wasn't meant to be. Uh, I, I think about that a lot because I, I was really high on Peter Brazic, uh, Grand Rapids, but that's the wings. 
I wish them the best. I think they're going to have a good offseason. Well, it'll be definitely interesting. Of course, we always want to see the Bulldogs back in because we can't let Western have all the fun having all the success oh. here in West Michigan. I know you like no. hearing that. <laughs> no. They, they have been very tough opponent for us. That's a tough place to play. A lot of fun, though. Lost, have a lot of fun. Lost in Lunatics, man. But They're fun. Let's get to the NCAA tournament here. The first real big story, if you will, coming out of the regionals is once again St. Cloud State getting upset in the first round. Now, if you look back at the record, their last win in the tournament was back in 2015. So go on the record. 2017, they missed. 2016, Ferris upends, upends them. Last year, it's Air Force. This year, it's American International College, who, by the way, Harrison, had not, since they became a full-time Division I team in 98, have never had a winning season until this year. So, go look before we look at AIC and how crazy that game was, what is it with the Huskies? Oh, I feel terrible for I, them. I mean, they're, they're, they're good people. I mean, this they're team, really good people. they are so good all the time. I mean, what is it? Is it something with, you know, the coaching? Is it something with the team in the room? I mean, can pigs really fly? I have questions. I need answers. Huh. Uh, it seems like pigs are flying. But I'll take one by one here. I go back and I look at a common denominator in all these games. I see really good coaches. I'm biased. Go back to 2016. Bob Daniels, I will say this all the time. Give me one game with an average replacement level team, which is what Fair State was that year. They were right in the middle of the country against any team in the country. And if I have to win it and I have a week to game plan for it, I'm hiring Bob Daniels. Bob had our team playing the right way at the right time of the season. It helped that we had four senior defensemen and we had a kid that was on an offensive tear like I'd never seen before. Um, but defensively, that St. Cloud team played horrible when we played them. They were terrible at that game. And their goaltender, one of the best in the country, had one of the worst games I've ever seen. It was a nightmare game for him. He let in a goal, a right shot from the right wing boards at the hash mark, cross cage. I do, rem- I do remember that one. Yeah, cause I remember that. I remember watching that game. And it was nuts. I mean, that's, a, that's a puck that should never go in, and it 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 muffled its way through him. I mean, we got a fortunate goal. We got a gritty goal. We got a goal on a defensive miscue. Uh, and we got a goal when they left the be- one of the best players of the tournament wide up in front of the net. What more do you want? Well, offensively, that was one of the most talented teams in college hockey I'd ever seen. So obviously they were going to come back. The key to beating that team if you're going to overtime, don't let it take more than a minute because they'll just run you out of gas. And we scored 18 seconds in. So... I mean, that's what it was. They played defensively soft in that game. It's, it's so weird. I mean, like, I wouldn't say they looked bad in the AIC game that we just saw. I mean, Hrannik, no. I mean, made some nice saves. But how is it that an upstart team like AIC just somehow wills their way because they won the Amer- the Atlantic Hockey Championship? They And like Air Force last year, is, is St. Cloud State, are they just not, come tournament time, are they burnt out? They play so good during the season that by come tournament time, there's nothing left in the tank. There, there are a few things that I think play into it. One is that conference. That conference is a meat grinder. Holy cow. I mean, you think you could go a stretch of weekends where you could have to play like at North Dakota, you know, at Duluth, at Denver. Like, come on. That's a tough conference. I mean, no, 
no matter and, and they dominated that conference. Despite only, wrong, despite only winning them. one one tournament, one championship actually, to be exact. I think it was like twenty sixteen they won it. They did win it fifteen sixteen. They also won it thirteen fourteen. But they did a really good job in that conference this year. They really did. Um, but that wears you down. It wears your legs down. And I, I think by the time you get to the tournament, some of these NCHC teams, and maybe St. Cloud peaked a little early, uh, might be a little out of gas, might be a little banked up, because those leagues are high talent, but they're also pretty physical. Right. Like, you play, you play Western. I mean, the amount of bumps and bruises you get playing Western, that's when they're talented. They have big guys that are going to bruise you around. That's tough. Uh, you look at St. Cloud plays on Olympic ice, too. Their home rink is Olympic ice. So they dominate, team, yeah. their, they dominate their own building. They do a pretty good job on the road as well. You know, not to say that an NHL rink is any different for them. They're still really good. But not all their home games. And I can't imagine many of their practices are played on an NHL-sized rink. So that could play into it. And then I look at AIC. Eric Lang is a great coach. He should be the coach of the year this year. He's taken that program from nothing to what they are. Uh, he came with a right team, playing bent, no break. That's the only way you're going to beat them with the that the AIC had. And then they got a good goal tank performance. And that's all it takes in the tournament. It's, you know, for St. Cloud, it's some bad luck. It's some burnout, maybe. Uh, I think now it's beginning to be a little mental for them. I think they walk in, and I don't think it's that they're overconfident. I think, to a certain degree, some of them are a little scared. Like, I don't want this to happen again. They grip the stick, you miss the net. Or if you're a Renek, you you allow a goal from about 40 feet out from the sideboards that squeaks on through, and one of like two goals on 13 shots. I mean, yeah, it's, it's it, it, yeah, oh, it, it's it is a, it, definitely a mental thing. Do you? I mean, yeah. And here's the thing: it's not like in the NHL where you have a couple bad playoff runs, you fire the coach. It's not like you're going to fire. I mean, that's coach. I mean, he's still one of the best in the country. Yeah, Brett Larson's a good coach, and mind you, it was his first year. Um, Motsko left and is now at Minnesota. I think Motsko's a great coach. He built St. Cloud from a decent team to a great team. Uh, Brett Larson is much of the same mold. I think he'll get tournament wins. Uh, it's, it's, it's mystifying. It really is. I don't know that there's one single rational explanation for how it keeps happening, uh, but for the sake of St. Cloud State, I really do hope it stops because they're really good people, and I, I love that staff. And those players are good kids as well. They're classy for the most part, and uh, it, it stinks for them. I've been on teams like that uh, in other sports where we were the favorite and we get poached in a, in a game like that, and it, it's tough to watch. It is certainly tough, and like we said, with AIC getting the win, another four seed winning the first round. And Providence, of course, making it to the Frozen Four as a four seed again, as they did back in 2015, winning the national championship. The the four seed isn't, I mean, going back to where the tournament used to be, where it actually used to be a quarterfinal game, the four seed isn't really the weak spot like it used to be, where it used to be where the four seed would come in and almost be an easy victory almost for the, for the one team. Now you're seeing teams, and I guess it's kind of old hat now, but the four seed can actually have a chance to win. Yeah, and it's interesting you bring that up. Now, look at the structure of the tournament. It's based on ratings percentage indexed. So what that takes into account, the equation is it takes your winning percentage um, and 
there are a bunch of other things that go into it, including the win, uh, winning percentage of your opponents and the winning percentage of your opponent's opponents. So to have a high RPI, you win a lot of games, you play teams that win a lot of games, and the teams you play play teams that win a lot of games. That's the best way to do it. And in that case, you're going to get into the tournament. Uh, but for the most part, other than usually the 16th overall seed, sometimes the 15th too in a weird year, I mean, all those teams are top 14, 15 teams in the country. So it's not like you're playing any slouches. Like, I, I was talking to Alabama Huntsville's coach a few years ago, and he looked at me and he said, you know what the difference in college hockey is now? The top is down and the bottom is up. The worst teams aren't as bad as they used to be, and the best teams aren't as good as they used to be. So it's foreseeable to see a two-seed go down to a 15, because it's still the 15th best team in the country. It's not like they're a slouch. I mean, if the two-seed has a bad night, 15th seed is a team that probably won 20, 22 games anyways. The only thing that's a little mystifying, and this is what St. Cloud has succumbed to, is the fact that you know usually that 16th seed is a surprise team that goes out and wins their conference tournament, where for most of the year, you know, uh, we're like the 30th or 31st best team of the pairwise, or the RPI as they call it, out of 60. Um, so they're not in that same category as those top 15, 16 teams. I mean, they're the next two tiers down, really. They just get hot, go win their conference tournament, get the automatic bid. Uh, so those teams, you would think, should be slouches. But those teams, like, they're tough to play against because they, they believe in themselves at that point. They're like, okay, we weren't that good all year long, but when it mattered, we won the games we should, so who says we can't win another one? So that four seed, it's tough. Like, look at Providence. Okay, Providence is sweet. Like, yeah. let's, let's not get that wrong. Providence is a sweet team. Now, they played Minnesota State, who, like St. Cloud, has had no luck in the NCAA tournament. Zero. <laughs> so, just zilch. And it's tough to watch, because I, I respect that staff, I respect that team very much. Um, but Minnesota State goes up three rip in that game. And you're sitting there thinking, okay, finally, Minnesota State gets their tournament win. No nope. Providence, <laughs> who's basically at home, two miles from their rink, has all their fans there. They rip off six straight goals. Then the next day, they rip off four straight. They've scored ten times unanswered in the NCAA tournament. That doesn't happen. That just does not happen. Part no. of it's because they're at home. Part of it's because they're actually a very good team, and they, they're just getting hot at the right time. So those four seeds are dangerous. And the thing I love about hockey, it's no different than the Stanley Cup playoffs. When the Ducks beat the Wings in 3 you tip your cap because those teams got into the playoffs for a reason. They're good enough to be there. And any of those teams can win the Stanley Cup. I love that about hockey. Did anyone think UMBC was going to win the national tournament last year in men's basketball? No. They were going to win that first game, and it was maybe they go Cinderella and win the second game. But they're not going to keep beating teams. They're not going to run into Duke and beat them. Like That's just not going to happen. So that's what I love about hockey. A four seed can go ahead and win it. It makes it more compelling to me. Yeah, it's not like you're going to have one or two just every year run through the show because, I mean, like I said, that's never fun. I mean, team, no. I mean it's it's unanimous. People love the underdog. Unless you're cheering for that team, if you have no dog in the fight, you're going to pick the team that's either behind or the lower seed, if you will, or the worst record. Just because oh, yeah. you're, you want to see, you want to be like, hey, I watched this and I saw this story about this team because it's fun. I mean, oh yeah. like I said, did we? Did anyone think AIC was going to win? No, even, even with St. Claude's record in the tournament as of late. I mean, what? No, it was a great I, start. I, I, did, they, I will say this. I did think it was dangerous, though. 
that people were overlooking ASC. Because that coach, Eric Lang, has done a really phenomenal job this year. But I didn't have any illusions that they were going to win that game. I mean, it was probably St. Cloud's time to win. But they just, they didn't again. So that's hockey, and that's why I love it. Maybe they needed, I mean, I'm not going to say St. Cloud needs to, like, fall off or something like that. But maybe they need to maybe not be a top seed. To maybe have, just have that little bit of, all right, we're not the best this year. We have to work for it. I mean, it. Hey, I, everyone looks at the six, the '96 Wings team that won sixty-two games, the best team in the NHL, the best team in NHL history, and they got knocked out in the conference final. The next year, they finished what third in the in the conference, and they end up winning the cup. I mean, it's you. Sometimes you need that little chip on your shoulder, and you need to be like, all right, maybe we aren't as good as we think we are. But like I said, it is definitely a mental thing with St. Cloud State. So, but like I said, the four seed is a fun seed. It just it's an interesting seed now. It's not like you see one versus four. Oh, there's four seeds getting an upset. Well, okay, but, I mean, last year, Boston University played 500 hockey all year for the most part, gets in the four seed, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they won their first tournament game. I mean, four seed's not a bad team anymore. No, they're not. I was going to bring up that Wings explanation, but that's, uh, you read my mind. Good work. So now that means Tampa's going to lose to the Leafs, right? I'm kidding. That's not going to happen. No, <laughs> the Leafs have to actually win a game in the playoffs. <laughs> We can only hope. I want to. I want to see Washington win it again. I love Ovi. Man, I, it's hey they, they're because they got Col- no they got they have Carolina. Oh boy, because my, cause my you know what? never mind. I want to see Carolina win it. I want them to storm surge their way to the Stanley Cup until Don Cherry explodes. Well, they're well they're not going to do it apparently. I they they kept saying they're not going to oh. do it. It's funny because my brother my, my we always have like dark horse teams. My brother's dark horse team this year for some reason was Carolina. Like from the like before they did the storm search, just at the beginning, he just wanted Carolina to do well, and so he's going with that. My dark horse is always Florida, but that's just never gonna happen. Well, well, they got Quinville now, so who knows? That'll be for tomorrow's show, so you must tune into that one. But moving on here, obviously before the tournament, or well in the middle of the tournament, they'll be awarded the Hobie Baker Award, and for the and this year, it's a special year because three defensemen are being uh, looked at as finalists, as the hat-trick finalists, as they call it now. Adam Fox for Harvard, Jimmy Schultz from St. Cloud, St. Cole. Is it, uh, it's Macar, right? No. No, it is Macar. Macar. Macar from UMass. Three very exceptional, very gifted defensemen. And I had to do some research on this because I was wondering if this was the only time was the, all the candidates or all the finalists were defensemen. And if I'm not mistaken, I, was, I found back in 1983, back when it was only like two guys that were going to be the Hobie Baker Award winners, Randy Veleschuk from Providence and Mark Fusco from Harvard were the, only, the last time, the only time before this, that only defensemen were going to be crowned the Hobie Baker Award, and Mark Fusco won it that year. So, obviously, this is something that really never happens, but going to the point I made earlier, the defensive role in college hockey's changed. It's not the same where it's just a stay-at-home defenseman that plays well. I mean, these guys are scoring. Like you said, I mean, you had Cooper Zek for you guys leading the team. Adam Fox is a first candidate prospect. Jimmy Schultz from St. Cloud State, yes, this season's over, but he can put up points. I mean, it's not just, a, like I said, it, it used to be really tough for defensemen to score, but like I said, the game in college hockey's changed. It's getting more fun. Um, that's where the NHL is going, I mean, or it's where it went a few years ago. It, it, it's still kind of there. Uh, I mean, Mike Green, uh, Nick Lidstrom, guys like that in the mid-2000s were, were still putting up crazy points. And there's still some guys like P.K. Subban puts up good numbers. Uh, Shea Weber put up some big shots back in his day. Chara, you think of those guys? Uh, I mean, it's an important role. 
Uh, do you remember who I picked for the Hobie Baker back when we talked in like January? Yes. The oh no, I'm horrible with names. The Michigan State he got he's one that got signed by Detroit, correct? Taro Hiroshi. Yes. I'm like it's a funny. I'm like oh I, it's the weirdest thing. The business that we're in, I have the worst memory <laughs> when it comes to, and now. It's horrible. Here's my next question. Do you know where Taro Rossi finished in national scoring this year? He finished top five. No, top ten. Second overall. No, so top five. I was. Hey, I was. No matter what, I was gonna be right. And, yeah. Well, do, so, you, do you think though that and we're, I mean it's always with the debate, especially with Connor McDavid of the Oilers, is the Hobie Baker Award winner awarded to a good player on a good team? Because let's be honest, we've the Spartans have made almost zero progress over the last how many years? I mean, they're still a competitive team, but in terms of post getting in the postseason and going towards the national title, they have not been able to do that, like we said, since Advocator back in 07. It's it's awarded to a good player on a good team. It is. I mean, that's the award. Not a lot of college hockey people admit that to you, but that's what it is. I mean, you got to be on a good team. Taro Hirose. Without him, that, that program would have been on life support. He was, in my opinion, and I watched Kill McCarr. In my opinion, if Taro Hirose is not the best player in the country, it's Kill McCarr. Um, so I was disappointed that he wasn't considered harder for it. Um, I, I like Jimmy Schultz. I like Adam Fox. But to the same token, um, you know, Jimmy Schultz put up good numbers, not great. Adam Fox uh, put up. Uh, great numbers, but in a conference that's a little bit suspect to allow those numbers sometimes. Kale McCarr would be my pick for it. Uh, I know I'm getting a little ahead of it now, but I really wish that Tara Hirose had been able to snaggle his way in there, because I, I mean, man, and you're seeing what he did with the Red Wings. He didn't assist in six straight games, right? A point at least for the Wings in his first six NHL games. I mean, that's tough to do. He's that good, and uh, you know, it is a good player on a good team. That's why Kale McCarr should win it, uh, because that program was not good before Kale McCarr came to it. They were getting better, uh, but he he took them over the top. Uh, Coach Carvel has done a really nice job there, uh, and he's helped them a lot. But really, truly, I I think it is a word to a good player on a good team. And these defensemen are such a big part of the game. If you don't have a defenseman like that, you better be the best defensive team in the country. Uh, or you're not going to have a chance at this level. I mean, looking at McCarr, like you said, he, he was—he's obviously your pick for sure. The way it's sounding, he was first in the hockey and during the regular season, he was first in assists in hockey East and, and points, plus minus of plus twenty-eight. He was tied for third in points in the entire NCAA. So obviously, there's substance offensively and defensively as well. And Adam Fox, for some reason, everyone's just looking at him, and I do see it. He's got incredible skill. He does deserve to go to the NHL level. Why he doesn't want to sign with Carolina right now, I'll never figure that out. But, I mean, if any, if an angel. Small market team, and he's a Rangers guy. You know, he, he's just a Rangers fan. He. And the other thing, think about it this way. If you are a college hockey player, and you know you're talented enough to be in the NHL, and you have the, the option to get a Harvard degree for free as an insurance policy for you getting hurt, would you not take your Harvard degree? That is true. I mean, what does he have, one year left? or One year, and he probably really, he's a great student. He probably only has one semester, and then he's probably got to take grad class to stay eligible. But, like, think of it that way. Hockey's a tough sport. What if the kid gets hurt? And then, then you know, 
He's like, well, at least I got my Harvard degree. Well, well of course, wasn't... You can Don- do anything you want with a Harvard degree. Wasn't Ryan Donato taking classes and missing practice with the, with the Bruins last year during the playoffs? <laughs> I mean, he was. He was, and you know, of course, then again, of course, then again, yeah, the or yeah, VC yeah. was doing that too. But of course, then again, Donato was in Boston and playing up in the Northeast, so he was able to make that commute. But yeah, yeah. Commute, well, Jim, commute, Jimmy VC stayed as a senior because uh, he didn't want to go to Nashville. But he also did an interview at one point where he was like, "Well, I have a chance to get a Harvard degree." And people are looking at him like he's speaking Chinese. I'm like, "No, it's a Harvard degree. You take your Harvard degree. You can but do whatever hey, you want." Yeah. Play one more year and obviously sign as a free agent somewhere else. But like I said, you have a Harvard degree. I mean, there's... And you get to choose where you sign. Like, that's a great option, you know. And that's what the NHLPA bargained for. They bargained for the ability, you know, the August, if you wait through that August period uh, after your senior year and you were drafted as a freshman, they bargained so that you had the freedom to make a choice. Now, whether it's not worked, whether it's worked out for VC, I mean, it's yet to be foreseen. And no matter what Adam Fox does, and like I said, he's from New York, so he's gonna maybe want to join VC. So that'll be interesting as well. I mean, now, now looking at Harvard, I mean, kind of before we go into the Frozen Four details here, Harvard's always been a competitive team, but it is the ECAC, and like looking at it, where you see, like, like I said, conference champions being four seed and stuff like that. And since they're not like the Power Four, they're not the NCHC, Big Ten, WCHA, Hockey East, is the ECAC, I mean, it's pretty widespread when it comes. You have the really good teams and then the teams that are down towards the bottom, especially Atlantic Hockey as well. Does that, would that hinder or help certain players if you're not on, let's say, a top team? In terms of being a Holy Baker candidate? Yeah, I mean, like I said, Adam Fox played on a, a pretty good Harvard team that got into the tournament. Basically off the uh, skin of his back almost. You know, it, it helps because it inflates your offensive numbers a little bit. Um, I think, you know, Adam Fox is an NHL defenseman. He will be. I'm not trying to take that away from him. I do think he's a good player. Um, but I think it definitely inflates the numbers. Uh, and that can help with scouts. Scouts are like, oh, look at these eye-popping numbers by this defenseman. And, you know, sometimes that's all that matters. But, I, you know, I don't think it really matters. If you're that good, it doesn't really matter where you go. Um, and I think he'd be putting up big numbers almost anywhere. He, I mean, he's good enough. He would have been fine in the NCAC, but he was like, oh, hey, free Harvard degree, and I get to you play, know, hockey. play college hockey and show off my skills. That's a pretty good safe bet on myself. It's, uh, yeah, it's, you know, win-win situation no matter what, really. I mean, win or lose, yeah, exactly. how many games you win, you you get the degree from Harvard, from Harvard, or any of those, or even if you know if you go to Yale. I mean, obviously Yale's had better years back dating back to 2013, but you know, and going to an Ivy League school where you can play, I mean, that's always definitely well worth it. But, exactly. So moving on here to the main course of this dish we call an episode, the Frozen Four preview. So let's quickly run down these teams here, uh, Harrison. We're gonna quickly go to the number 11 Providence Friars. They went 21-9-6 during the regular season. They finished second in Hockey East. beating. They got knocked out by Boston College in their quarterfinals. However, like I said, beating Minnesota State, taking care of Cornell very simply. They won the tournament as the four seed back in 2015. And was that not the game where Matt O'Connor from Boston put the puck in his own net? That was that game. Oh, boy. I remember that. I still have that video when I took it because that was... It makes me, 
makes me sad on the inside because I'm a former goalie. It just oh, trust it hurts me. my soul a little I bit. Know. Well, here's the thing, because I, I know exactly how it happens. Everyone's like, he caught the puck. I'm like, oh, no, he didn't. You see him look. Trust me, I've done it for years. and I've never been scored from the red line, but I know the feeling of you don't know where the puck is. And that one just at the worst time. And with John oh, Butchergrass, of all people calling it. <laughs> oh, yeah. But... I mean, you have guys like Josh Wilkins. Lead, I mean, he was the top guy in points. He was a Hockey East first team All-Star, had five points in the regionals. They have a really good defenseman in Vincent DeHarnay. He was the best defensive defenseman, which is actually an award they give out in some uh, some conferences. It wasn't the biggest guy in terms of scoring. He's an Edmonton draft pick. This team, like we've seen, is not, like we said earlier, is not a old-fashioned force. This team could have been, I mean, is very, they're on a really good run here heading into the Frozen Four. Great team, great coach. I mean, look, if this whole Frozen Four is filled with interesting coaches, if not great coaches. Um, I think Nate Lehman has a leg up on, uh, uh, let me think, Providence. I'm trying to think of the matchups right now. I'm blanking. Providence has Duluth in the first round? Yes. Uh, yep, they have Duluth, yep. Wow. He doesn't have a leg up on Scott Sandlin, but uh, – from a coaching standpoint, he's, he's got a leg up on, on looking across the bracket at Denver and UMass guys that uh, have not won national titles as head coaches. Scott Sandlin is a great coach for Duluth. Um, no bones about that. He's, he's an incredible head coach. Uh, but Nate Lehman's been here before, and he's been an underdog before, so he knows exactly how to prepare for this moment. I, I think that that's a, that's a premium. Looking goal. Uh, Hayden Hockey, awesome name. Awesome college hockey name. And it's per- uh, almost very, go- very almost good as uh, jo- almost good as Johnny Walker. <laughs> almost as good as Johnny Walker, yes. So, uh, no, and, and again, I, I love what Josh Wilkins is doing right now. Josh Wilkins is hot. Um, they scored ten straight goals unanswered, uh, and I don't think that Duluth is the type of team that can go out and put up four or five against a team like Providence. So. You know, if they play ten times, that might happen once or twice, uh, maybe once. So I think Duluth uh, is in for they've got their hands full with Providence. Providence is in a really good spot. That game is in Providence's time zone, and it's not only that far from Providence. Buffalo is much closer to Providence than it is to Duluth. So I would expect a, a very much East Coast fan base there. It'll definitely be fun, like you said, the Duluth Bulldogs. They'll be facing them, the number two team in the country going to the tournament. They actually defeated St. Cloud State to win the NCHC championship. They beat, like we said, Bowling Green and Knipiak to get there. This is their seventh Frozen Four. They won back in 2011, of course, last year as well. Of course, 2011, we all uh, all Michigan fans remember that game pretty well. Uh, oh, yeah. The overtime loss. I mean, look at their guys. You have Scott Pernovich who is a de- another defenseman leading scorer, only has three goals, but obviously being a big setup guy. He's only a sophomore, by the way. He won the NCHC Offensive Defenseman Award. I, I mean, I wonder why, when you put up 27 points, actually lead your team. Justin Richards as well, Parker McKay's chipping in as well, and of course the goaltender Hunter Shepard, NCHC Goaltender of the Year. I mean, in this matchup between them and Providence, this is going to be a really good matchup between the goaltenders. Well, you flip the script, and you're talking about a goalie that's won an NCAA championship. And he did it as a freshman. I mean, you can't put a premium on that. That's the other thing. I mean, the two things you want in this situation, uh, in a game like this, you want a hot goalie, and you want a great, you want a hot or experienced goalie, at least, 
And you want a great head coach. And Duluth has both of those. Uh, both, both teams have both of those. It should be a really good game. I'm really excited for it. Um, Scott Sandlin is, in my opinion, probably probably one of the best college hockey coaches of this generation. Um, I don't know if he's ever been to Duluth or near Duluth, but I don't know how he recruits up there. It's cold. <laughs> there's not a lot. It doesn't look like there's a lot to do up there. Fans are great. Facilities are great. But holy cats, is it cold up there? Like, man. It's it's, Minnes- it's Minnesota. What do you expect? You expect to be nice weather up there? It's nice maybe no, two days like, of the year. <laughs> but, like, you look at Minneapolis, and there's, like, stuff to do in Minneapolis. Duluth is, like, on Lake Superior, Minnesota. Like, it's way up there. Right. It's it, it's on our way to Bemidji, like, which is like yeah. the longest trip for us that we have on the bus. I mean, it's way up there. He's done a phenomenal job of that program. Hunter Shepard is the X factor in this game, though. If Hunter Shepard brings his game, uh, I don't know if there's a team in the tournament that can beat him. That said, um, you can bring your game only so much. Your team's got to score for you. Perunovic has 27 points. Perunovic is a very good hockey player. Uh, good puck moving defenseman was a little bit down at the beginning of the year and came back. But you think twenty seven points leads his team as a tournament team? That's not a lot. Of, that's not a team that scores a lot of goals. So, but again, with- you're it's a team that's hot offensively. Uh, it, it's not a great matchup right now for Duluth. I do think that there's every chance they can win it. This is this is really a coin toss to me. I, I think. <sighs> If you're, you know, gun to my head, I'm, I'm picking Providence only because of what they're doing right now and how close they are to home, but uh, by a hair. I was going to say the same thing. I'd pick Providence just because, like you said, the scoring, it's going to come down to Hunter Shepard. You could see the number two team get brutally outshot by the number 11 team in that first game. But, like I said, yeah. you all you need is a hot goaltender. Both played really well in the regionals. Maybe Hayden Hockey, given that he had a sh- he had a shutout against, uh, excuse me, gave up, or he had a shutout against Cornell. Beat Minnesota State in a come-from-behind win, so obviously having that going into the tournament, that could help out as well. The other matchup, we'll take one of the teams in the other matchup, is the Denver Pioneers. They went 19-10-5 this year in the regular season, finished third in the NCHC, knocked out in the semis by Duluth in the NCHC tournament, won the third-place game. Well, by the way, I should ask this, because I've heard some people think the third-place game... Does the third-place game matter in NCHC? Do you think that affects the rankings? Um... It kind of depends if you're a borderline team in the RPI. Like if you're 15th or 16th in the RPI going into the NCAA tournament and you're in that third place game and you win it, it can give you enough of a ratings percentage index bump to get you into the NCAA tournament. Um, So it can be a little bit minimal. It may be the last year they do the third place game. Um, Because I know there's been a lot of hate on it from, from outside folks, from folks outside the league. They don't like it because they think it gives other teams the NCHC an advantage. I think it does, honestly. But if that's the case, either everyone does it or nobody does it. Like, come on. If, you, if you're going to complain, just go implement it. Right, <laughs> they're exactly. Just, they're yeah. just being smart. But. They're, they're just trying to get more teams into the tournament. And for the most part, the last several years since realignment, they've had the most teams in the tournament every year. I mean, yeah. I mean, look at this. You have two teams in the in the Frozen Four, obviously two from Hockey East as well. But the the Pioneers getting in there after beating Ohio State and AIC to move on to their 16th Frozen Four. It did say 17. However, the 1973 appearance was vacated by NCAA for recruitment violations. Harrison, can you believe it? Recruitment violations in the NCAA? How dare they? How dare they? Oh, uh, gosh. Yeah. Let's just pull out, the, let's pull out the old Denver's computer sheet of paper. 
Huh? Pull out the old computer sheet of paper of all the teams that have had violations of recruiting over the years. You can probably we could probably cover half of Michigan with all that paper. Let me tell you. Oh God, you have no idea. Well, Denver. Let's start with Denver. First year head coach. Think of it this way: because guys go to juniors and they come to college, and some of them are freshmen when they're twenty, twenty-one. There are guys in this Denver team that are twenty-four or maybe twenty-five years old. Their head coach is twenty-eight. So, from the they're, they're all good buddies. Good, Huh? They all go out to dinner together. They're all good buddies, probably. They're all the same huh. age. But, like, from a standpoint of relating to your players, there can't be any any better than Coach Carl at Denver. I mean, think about that. He's right there. He's able to relate, and that's a powerful thing as a coach. If you can relate well to your kids, they want to play for you more. Now, it can work conversely. Like, if you try to relate too much, um, then they look at you as a friend instead of a coach. So you got to find that balance. A great ex- great example, by the way, in the North American Hockey League, last year, a guy named Justin DiMartino, who's a Ferris alum, was named the interim head coach of the Topeka Roadrunners, who are now the Topeka Pilots. Justin DiMartino played so much Xbox as a Ferris player, and he still plays. We found out from one of his players that we recruited, actually two of them, that he plays Xbox online with his kids as a form of a way to relate to them. And the kids tell me it worked. I was mind blown by that. So Coach Carl, I mean, I don't know that he's on Xbox with these kids, but at least he knows what they're going through. It wasn't that long ago that he was something like them. And, you know, they've got some guys that are really good in the NCAA tournament. Jared Luke Savages is a guy that, um, career in the NCAA tournament, he's got eight goals and an assist for nine points. Those are phenomenal numbers. He scored a lot of goals, had a hat trick in the NCAA title game. Um, they've got a great goaltender, a Red Wings prospect that a lot of people are excited about, Philip Larson. Um, I'm really excited to see what Philip Larson does. He's one of the very few goaltenders. I don't know if there are any others that have shut out both of their first two games of the NCAA tournament. He's a freshman. So, and he didn't. And he wasn't even supposed to be their their starter at the beginning of the year. He only played uh, sixteen games in the regular season. No, no, you're right. Um, but boy, is he turned out of late. And hey, uh, hot goal, you, said it, hot, younger team, you said it, hot goaltender. That's all you need. But. Yes, exactly. But they are a young team, and that can uh, that can come back to bite you a little bit. I've been impressed by the way they've handled the poise of the tournament. But um, you know. I didn't think Ohio State was mentally in a very good place when they got to the NCAA tournament. They went a month without playing, and they were playing poorly when they had stopped playing a month before that. Yeah, because they got so, knocked out in the first round, if I'm not mistaken, the Big Ten tournament. They got knocked out really early, and they'd only won two of their last how many games going into the tournament, dating back to February. Yeah, so they weren't really in a good mental place. I think, and this happened to Fair State when we upset St. Cloud, I think AIC emotionally ran out of gas. Um, you know, I, I just, you put so much in beating a team like that, that emotionally and physically it really does drain you. And when we saw Denver the next day in 2016, I mean, Denver outshot us 21 to four in the first period. Somehow we tied that game in the third. We had no business being in that game. Um, but we just ran out of gas. And I think that's what happened to AIC. So has Denver's path been very hard getting to this point? Hard to say. I would say probably not as hard as some of the other teams. Um, so now they're really going to get tested by a legitimate team. The legitimate team like the University of Massachusetts, the Minutemen, who went 26-8, and eight, zero ties somehow. I don't know how you do that in any level of hockey. 
uh, or even any overtime whatsoever. They finished first in the hockey standings. However, they were knocked out in the semis of their tournament by Boston College. They defeated Harvard and Notre Dame to get to the Frozen Four. This is their first ever Frozen Four appearance. And like you said, you know, Kale McCarr, he's been their top guy, 42 points, and we talked about him earlier. But, it, you know, you have Laker guys like uh, Mitchell Chaffee, Jacob Pritchard, but a couple of the guys that really stepped up in regionals were Brett Bowie and John Leonard each had two goals and an assist. So having your top guys obviously scoring helps, but then having guys in the back end that may not have been producing out their year coming in clutch is really helping the Minutemen. They're very deep. It's a very deep team. It starts and finishes with Kale McCarr. Uh, they've got a good goaltender in Lindbergh. Uh, they've got a, a head coach that has those kids believing in, in the way they're executing the game plan. Honestly, I think this is the best of four teams in the Frozen Four. Um, funny thing about Brett Boeing. This is a great story. So Brett Boeing was at Michigan Tech as a freshman. Uh, his first college game was against us here in Big Rapids. And on night one, Brett Bowling is a freshman, goes out, and he has a four-assist game, four points in his first college game. Me and my broadcast partner at the time, who's the voice of the South Carolina Stingrays, we talk about Brett Bowling all the time now. Right. Um, we were sitting there like, oh, my gosh, who is this kid? I've never seen something like this before. Four assists in his first game. And it wasn't like four secondary assists. It was like four he opened a ton of ice and looked like Taro Rossi assists. I was, we were baffled. So Michigan Tech bludgeons us 5-1 to one the first night. Uh, he played another 13 games of college hockey at Michigan Tech and did not pick up another point. And then went back to juniors and then ended up at UMass. So it's funny like how some of these guys leave and then resurface. Um, I'm really happy for him, though. He's done a phenomenal job there. Marco Delgaizo is a great defenseman for them as well. Um, but again, when you have a player like Kale McCarr, a game-breaker, as a defenseman, too. I mean, this isn't a guy that is going to play a slow game. You know, he's got 40-plus points as a defenseman in college hockey. This is a guy that can carry the pace of the game. Uh, I don't know that Denver has seen a defenseman like him yet, so it's going to be a big challenge for them. Uh, I'm going to take UMass, and it's an all-hockey East final. It's, it's going to be a close one, and you have the Battle of the Phillips, which is just going to be wonderful. Thankfully, when you say last oh, names of your broadcasters, but and I mean, I think uh, actually Philip Lindbergh actually had two shutouts as well. Two freshman goaltenders getting who are named Philip get shutouts in regionals. Have we hit Illuminati yet? Are we, have we hit that point yet? Can we call up the Freemasons let them know we hit it? I think we may just have. But last names both start with an L too. Keep that in mind. Oh boy, I don't Quadrilati is that a thing? Illuminati Quadrilati. Yeah. I, I don't know. But. Um, yeah, I would go with, like I said, i got to go with UMass, too. I, I, like you said, Denver did not have the strong. I mean, they, they looked good, but like you said, two teams that Ohio State, who had not played well since January, and AIC, like you said, who was coming up, which coming off their biggest win program history, didn't have enough the next night. I, you know, Denver will keep it close, but like you said. Oh, yeah, me. it'll be a good game. I'm not thinking anybody's blowing anybody out. And you know what, these games could go either way. That's. You know, again, this is a gun to my head pick. This is a wide-open frozen four. Yeah, it could – I mean, it, yeah, like I said, all it comes is one play, and that's just how playoffs, tournaments, whatever, that's how it works. So that case, Harrison, UMass and Providence. You have Kale McCarr on one end, and Providence, who really doesn't have an astronomical amount of – stud. I'll say not like star players. They have really good talent, but – 
they don't have the same kind of game breakers. I mean, like I said, Wilkins and Dugan, they will carry the play for Providence, but they don't have the same type of X factor that UMass does in McCarr. No, but if they get there, they're going to feel like they're the team of destiny. And if you ask me to put a gun to my head and pick that game, I might start looking, you know, that gun looks a little bit friendly to me right now because it's terrifying to pick that game. I mean, they're also conference rivals. I mean, keep that in mind. So that's, I mean, could be a bloody game. I mean, these, those, uh, they play each other uh, all the time, and you, they know how to they know how to win. They know how to lose. I didn't I even I didn't even think about looking up the uh, the the record between the two teams during the regular season and the tournament, but they are two of the best teams in hockey East, which, like we always say, is not when you can have Boston University and Boston College be two of the top teams one year, and then go in the middle of the pack because you have teams like UMass that surge up and Providence that surge up. It's not an easy conference to play in. We always talk about the NCHC, but Hockey East has been doing it for 100 years, it seems like. Yeah. Now, here's the thing, and I brought this up earlier. It's what Huntsville's coach always tells me. The top is down and the bottom's up. UMass isn't one of those teams that's completely unbeatable. Uh, I really don't think they are. Providence is not a bad team. They're a very good team, and they're going to feel like they're the team of destiny if they're there. Um, I'll take Providence in that case. Just so we, I'll change it. I think I will go to UMass just because I think, I think Philip Lindbergh. He's played really well in the tournament as a freshman. Like another, like I said, another goaltender that didn't start as the number one guy for UMass, but with his play and the confidence he's grown over the last couple months, has really garnered it. And you, like you said, you have a hot goaltender. I like Hayden Hockey. He looked really well. And I keep, I, I always get a chuckle whenever I say his name. It's always going to happen. But I'm going to go with UMass, and I'm going to say it's a one-goal game, and it's going to be determined. But however, the goal will not. The game-winning goal will be scored in the second period. For some reason, I just think it's just going to be a long 20 minutes of just tight hockey. But nobody's going to score. Oh, I really, I really want a dramatic third-period game. But you know, and again, it, it's tough to pick against UMass. I feel like an idiot doing it, um, but. Uh, I just there's something about Nate Lehman in these games when he's the four seed. There's just something about the way he gets them ready to play, and their path, their path here wasn't easy. I mean, Minnesota State is not a bad team; they're a great team. Cornell is a tough team to play against because they make you be patient. They they play, they play like the New Jersey Devils back in the nineties. One three one trap hockey. Yep. Oh yeah, Hook if you're not willing to be patient. You're going to shoot yourself in the foot. So they showed, okay, we have to go into panic mode and score six straight goals against a great team. The next night, okay, we have to be patient so that we don't get ourselves into trouble. So they've showed me that they can win multiple ways. UMass, UMass can win in every which way as well, but Providence has proven to me that they can still win in every way. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying Harvard was a weak team that UMass had to play, but they weren't the best. And Notre Dame, as good as they were last year, they weren't as good as they were. They weren't as they took a little bit of a dip this year. Still a competitive team, but it'll definitely be close and a fun one for sure. And another great year to hockey. Another great college season winding down to an end. Um, I don't know if I made my pick for the. You said you picked Makar for the for uh, Hobie Baker, right? I picked Kale Makar. You picked Makar. I mean, I just feel like. For, if, it may be a popularity contest, which is why I think Fox is going to win it. That may be the case. I mean, I think that's what we talked about earlier in the year, too. And They usually like to pick seniors. 
Um, but this is just an exceptional year. So I, that's why I think Kale McCarr will win it. But Adam Fox has certainly made a lot of headlines. People are going to be thinking about him. Um, I just wonder if McCarr showing in the NCAA tournament has changed any mind. So we'll find out this weekend. I was about to say, do they do the voting before the first game or after? Because it's awarded on uh, Friday, right? It's awarded on Friday. Uh, I want to say they actually the voting is done before that game, anyways. Okay, I was about to say if Kale McCarr puts up like five points, I mean he's <laughs> that, that well, then it's help. over. But no, I, I'm pretty sure it's done before that first game to prevent that. Um, because you know the national. I mean, if you're going to base it on one game, what happens if the two are playing each other? One is like a minus five, and a voter bases it just on that. I mean, that's just not fair. So, yeah, it should be a close vote for sure. Those two are definitely deserving. I just wish Taro Hirose was in the conversation too. Well, that's why they always there's kind of whispers. In the, like, they say in the NHL they should do most outstanding player. Like, maybe there should be, like, there's the, in the in college football, there's, like, the Maxwell Award for, like, best, most outstanding player as well. There's the Heisman Trophy, and there's, like, the, another award for, you know, really good player. You, maybe, they're, maybe they create one of those. I mean, who knows? I mean that there are certain players that deserve it, like you said, because players have been gypped before. I mean, it's it's happened not just in hockey, football, whatever. Great players get undermined because they are on weaker teams. It's it, it's a matter of fact. I mean, Well, it happened to uh, happened to Ferris State, actually, in 2003. Peter Sanya won it at Colorado College. and I mean, they were okay. Um, but but Chris Kunitz... Wasn't that Chris the year Kunitz. Colorado College made it that to the Frozen Four that year, right? I thought, well, no, they didn't. I'm trying, now I'm trying to figure out, because I know Kunitz was a finalist. He was, uh, yeah, he was the runner-up, but it was pretty shy. But, I mean, Kunitz took Fair State from being just a program that was there to being an elite program, and he was a senior. Um, and he had... 35 goals and 44 assists as a senior. Like, what, what more do you want out of the guy? The guy changed the face of our program. I mean, he's, he, got, four, he's got four Stanley Cups now. No one could have seen that happening. Peter Samey did nothing in his NHL career, by the way. Yeah, I'm no. still I'm still salty about it. I was more than 10, I was 10 years away from being a Ferris State student, but it still bothers me that Chris Coons didn't win it. Well, I was, I watched him because I, because when they, that was back in the old CCHA days, and I watched him play Michigan twice and, you could see, even when I was only eight or nine years old, you could tell who ran the show, and it was Kunitz. Oh, yeah. And he he is still undoubtedly, unquestionably, the best player to ever come out of Ferris State. There's there's no yeah, doubt. Sure. I mean, now who do you say the best goal? Now, okay, now actually I'll ask you this, Harrison. Just for our you know goaltender to goaltender, who would you say was the best goaltender to come out of Ferris State? In terms of what they did after they graduated or in terms of what they were when they were at Fair State? Oh. Well, now you're putting me as well. Okay, if you look at it that way, then you can almost say Taylor Nelson because he actually got them to a national championship game. And so- Yeah, but over the course of his career, not to rip on Nelly, he's a good friend of mine, um, but he battled it out with Pat Nagel for a few years, and he really wasn't a starter until the senior year. And. Um, and it stinks that Nagel was one or two years away from going to that national champ. If he had, like I said, if he had been born a year later or came a year later, I mean, that's a, I mean, he, Nagel's still good. He's still one of the better goaltenders in the coast, and he's had blips up in the AHL. But so, so who would you think is the best goaltender that played at Ferris in their time at Ferris? 
thankfully, I get to see him in CJ Mott. Um, CJ was interesting. See, you could count on him to have a save percentage north of 920 at all times. And it was consistent. So, you know, you might get a full season of 926, 923. I think his last one was 919, but he was not a very good team. Um, but, like, he was just exceptional all the time. Even when he was bad and fighting the puck, I mean, he only let in three goals. It, he was just, he was so talented and made so many saves and improved so markedly from his first start as a freshman. Uh, he was a great puck playing goalie. He never gave up rebounds in front of his own goal. Um, very good directionally, very athletic, kind of fiery. Um, and he was a winner. And I feel bad for the way his junior season ended because I, I honestly think that in 2014, we should have won the national title that year. Um, and the goal that went in on him was not his fault. Yeah, that was a they were that was a really really good team too. Yeah, we I mean we were we doubled up North Dakota in shots that game. That game haunts me. I, I still can't sleep at night when I think about that game. Um, but he was just on a different level, and I've never before and ever since seen a goalie quite like him. So then who would you think is the best Ferris goaltender after leaving Ferris? And it's it's, unfo- it's pretty unfo- close between Pat and CJ. Because, yeah, we're, um, CJ's now with, oh gosh, who's he with now? He was with Allen for a while. He's yes. been bouncing around a little bit. Um, well, like any goaltender in the coast, there's no such thing as a goaltender that stays in one spot for a long time. No, no, I can't think of where he is right now. He might be, uh, I couldn't even tell you, but... Pat Nagel has put together a really strong career as well. Um, we haven't had that guy get to the next level consistently. I think CJ's numbers in the American League for his career, for the amount of times he's been up, have been incredible. But he just hasn't gotten a long enough look because he's a little older. Um, but it's probably pretty close between the two of them. Probably give it to Pat. Um, just because Pat has been a little bit more consistent at the professional level. He just struggled a little bit his first year. Uh, but, yeah, it's one of those two. We haven't had a goalie that's gone beyond the American League. That's kind of tough. Yeah, it's, it's – I mean, I could barely crack a backup role as a Fed League goaltender, let alone even getting a chance to go to the coast. So I will say, I mean, they – it's tough to ever see – You don't, you don't see – I don't want to say you don't want to see – you don't see too many college goaltenders make it. I mean, you have guys like Connor Hellebuck and – um, other goaltenders like that, but it's never, you can be a standout goaltender in college. And for some reason, sometimes some goaltenders just can't make that jump. It's happened. I mean, no, no. And some get hot for short periods of time, make their mark, Andrew Hammond. Oh yeah. Um, but can't consistently stay at that level. Manny and Fernandez that's my, was a, that's an older name. Manny Fernandez is one too. Oh gosh. You're really going back. I mean, that was when he was. They had a good tandem. Manny Fernandez and Dwayne Rollison in Minnesota. Gosh. Was a pretty good goaltending tandem back then. And they beat Colorado. <laughs> they beat they beat Patrick Waugh. Then the tag team they had to beat Patrick Waugh, but um Yeah. But no, it was there there have always been some always good goaltenders. I just look back and I think, man, what could have been? But then again, that's just the way hockey works sometimes. And yeah. That, that is how the way this show works. And so we wrap up our Frozen Four preview. Once again, folks, use the hashtag of the Kewl Podcast and at the Kewl Podcast to tell us about the show and tell Harrison when his predictions are wrong or if my predictions are wrong 
or if make him regret maybe picking Providence over UMass. Who knows how it's going to happen. Uh, before we let you go, though, Harrison, tough question. I did it to you last time. I'm going to do it again. Who is your Stanley Cup pick? Calgary Flames, baby. Give me the Flames all day. Flamers. I love me some Johnny Cadrell. Johnny Hockey, man. That is it for this one, folks. Thank you very much for listening to another episode of the Keel Podcast. Thank you once again, Harrison. Thank you. All right. Good night, everybody.